What's up, everybody? So glad you chose to join me today for this message. Quickly, before we get into the message, I just want to make an announcement. Uh, Actually, just a reminder. Uh, First, let me say thank you for listening. That means uh, the world to me uh, to have you guys out there listening and to know that it's uh, impacting you and making a difference and blessing your life. But also, if you ever feel led, you know, to give financially or contribute to this podcast ministry, um, you can do so through the link in the podcast description or uh, at the bottom of the post if you go to my post on Facebook. And of course, anything and everything always helps and it helps me to keep this uh, podcast ministry going. But with that being said, let's jump into or move forward with today's message. And first of all, I want to say that I pray that God would bless you today and show you his favor. I pray that he will teach you and guide you in his ways. I pray that you are you know, choosing to live out your faith for the world to see. I ask God to give each of you strength to boldly declare his truth and be unafraid to put your faith into action, unashamed to let others see your faith come alive. I pray for revival uh, among God's people. It is something I feel in my spirit. I know it is coming. Like Elijah, when he said he could hear the sound of heavy rain before there was any evidence, I feel it in my spirit that revival is coming. God is shaking the church and waking up his people. That is why I do this podcast. God brought revival in my heart and in my own life and put a desire in my heart to share his word, to encourage believers in their faith, to speak life into the heart of every listener, to empower others with the power of his word. Okay, guys, let's jump into today's message, which is titled, Just Admit It. This message was tough for me. I went round and round with God, trying to get clarity on how to present it. So I'm going to do my best to convey what God has put on my heart, and I'm going to do my best just to let him speak through me, because I know that if he does, it will accomplish its purpose and someone will be blessed by it. Sometimes, you know, getting someone to admit that they messed up, that they are where they are because they chose that path, that their poor decisions put them there. Or getting them to admit that they gave in to fear, doubt, pride, or any other weakness of the flesh can seem nearly impossible at times. Now imagine how God feels with us when he tries to get us to see and admit that we messed up, we lost faith, we gave in. In a moment of weakness, we failed, we gave up. What's even worse is when he tries to get us to see the error of our ways, but all we have is excuses. Maybe you have you know, dealt with someone like that in your life, friend, coworker, family member, or maybe it was you. If you have kids, you have likely dealt with that at some point as well. I love how when something gets broken or messed up and you ask, how did this happen? It's either crickets or nobody knows anything, or it is a laundry list of excuses or finger pointing you know, even blaming the dog. You know, I have three kids and I've taught kids for the majority of my life. Anytime I would call them out for something, I usually got excuses. Rarely would I get an, I'm sorry, uh, I messed up. I was that kid when I was little and even into adulthood. I run into adults as well all the time that do the same thing. When they mess up, all they have is excuses. But growth and self-improvement can't happen until we own our mistakes and just admit it. I messed up. I was wrong. I was weak. I failed. I didn't listen. 
when we just admit it, we can grow and move forward. It is hard to get back on track with, with your life when you are not able to just admit your mistakes or failures. Oftentimes, when God is dealing with us, it is the same way. And restoration can't happen until we are broken, humbled, and admit where we messed up. God can't move us forward until we admit that we screwed up, we failed, we failed Him. And when, you know, when, when we respond to Him with excuses, with vain attempts to justify our decisions, God will bench us, so to speak. You know, he will stop using us until we can finally admit it then, you know, and, and see the lesson He's teaching us. Today, we will backtrack just a little uh, regarding Elijah, then move forward. Remember in 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah runs from Jezebel um, because she threatened to kill him. But, you know, but he, really, he really was running from, God, from his calling, from his purpose. He gave up on God. He wanted to relinquish his calling as a prophet. Verse 4, he says, uh, you know, in, in chapter 19, verse 4, he says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now you will also remember that God was compassionate and gentle with him, but God is also patient and just. And in the verses that followed, God asks him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like a parent would do with their child. He is giving Elijah a chance to just admit it, to own up to his decision and just admit that he was weak. He messed up and he gave in to the flesh. But what does Elijah do? He gives God a list of excuses which are clothed in pride and judgment. Verse 10, he says, he replied, and this is talking about Elijah when he replied to God asking him what he's doing there. He replied and said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The funny thing is here is he says it like God was not aware of it to begin with, but I digress. You know, he begins the statement with pride. I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Then blame and judgment set in with the, the Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. You see, Elijah wanted God to punish them and he just could not understand God's mercy toward them. Then he ends his statement with self-pity, wanting God to feel sorry for him. But at no point did, did he truly answer God's question, nor did he ever admit that he messed up. God remains patient with him and teaches him a lesson about the gentleness of God and then asks him again, what is he doing here? You know, What are you doing here, Elijah? And again, Elijah responds with the same answer. Now, me and my wife was talking about this earlier, and if God asked him the first time and he gave the answer he gave, then he asked him the second time, why would God ask him a second time if the answer he gave the first time was a good one or the right one? But clearly it wasn't, and God asked him a second time, but Elijah doesn't get it, and he gives the same answer. So multiple times God asked, and it would seem that Elijah doesn't get it or refuses to just admit where he messed up. That is when you see God tell him to go back the way he came and go to and go and anoint Elisha to be the next prophet of God, to be his successor. And and then for the next couple of chapters after that, there's no mention of Elijah. 
all the way to the end of uh, 1 Kings, there's no mention of Elijah. God uses others to do his work. And I'm not sure how much time passes before Elijah comes back on the scene, but he reappears in 2 Kings chapter 1, and God gives him one more assignment regarding judgment on the current king of Israel. Um, the current king, uh, if I can pronounce this correctly, is Ahaziah, son of Jehoram, who was the son of King Ahab. You remember King Ahab, you know, th this family line of kings, they hated Elijah because all he ever brought them was bad news of pending judgment from God. So this king Ahaziah um, falls through the lattice of his upper room and injures himself, then seeks counsel from the false god Beelzebub uh, of Ekron to see if he will recover. But God sent Elijah, or Eliyahu would be uh, his Hebrew name, to intercept the messengers sent by the king to give him a message so that, so that Elijah could give them the message from the one true God. So the king sends uh, these messengers out to go find out from this false god if the king will recover from his injury. But God sends Elijah to intercept them and give the, and give the king a message directly from him. 2 Kings 1, 3-4 says, But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, Is it because there is uh, no god in Israel that you are going off to consult Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you are lying on. You will certainly die. So Elijah went. Now, the king gets the message, and he figures out that it was Elijah, and he is angry that Elijah is now making trouble for him like Elijah did for his grandfather. So he sends a captain and 50 soldiers to go get Elijah. Now, likely for the reason of probably trying to get Elijah to retract his his judgment on the king, you know, either by force or bribery. Either way, he isn't going after Elijah because of anything good. So the king ends up sending a captain and 50 men three different times, but the first two times they approach Elijah in a disrespectful manner, and he calls down fire from heaven to consume the first two groups. So clearly God has endowed Elijah with power from on high again, but Elijah is still quick with his harsh nature. But when the third captain uh, comes and his men come, he approaches Elijah with humility. And, I mean, after seeing what happened to the first two, I would too. And But he comes and he asks Elijah for mercy for himself and his men. But this time, God steps in before Elijah can try for a third time. In 2 Kings 1.15, it says, The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to, to the king. At least he didn't run this time. Okay, He goes and delivers the judgment uh, the, to the king personally, just like God told him to do. And the king dies in bed, just like God stated would happen. What I would like for everyone to take away from, from this is that when we mess up and God tries to get us to see where we messed up, just admit it. Own it and let God restore you. Don't waste time being sidelined or benched because you refuse to see or admit where you were wrong. 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, uh, He is faithful and just to forgive us 
of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, that's 1 John 1, 9. So God eventually puts Elijah back to work, but you kind of get the impression that uh, God may have given him a time out until he got rid of his bad attitude. Either way, it is comforting to see God's grace and mercy at work, to see God's patience and unending love for his people. It gives me hope when I mess up and reminds me that God is faithful to forgive me when I just admit where I went wrong. God showed Elijah that his preferred way of dealing with his people is to be patient and gentle. His wrath is a last resort. God didn't write Elijah off because he messed up. And God hasn't written you off just because you messed up. But he may be waiting on you to just admit where you went wrong so that he can restore you to your purpose. God, thank you for your grace, for your patience, for your unfailing love. I pray that if anyone out there is struggling in their walk with you, that they would hear that gentle whisper and let go of whatever is holding them back. I pray that they own up to their mistakes and just lay their burdens at your feet. Just surrender. God, you are so full of compassion. Bring healing to your people. So many people are walking through the fire right now, Lord. The enemy knows revival is coming. He is coming after your people. But you promise to be with us in the fire. Strengthen your people, Lord, every day as we put on the full armor of God. Help us to stand against the enemy. Uphold us with your righteous right hand. Let your favor fall on your people. And may we seek you every day with a hunger for your truth. Hebrews 4.16, God says, your word says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Thank you, God, for all that you do for us. Thank you for your love. All this we ask in your name. Amen.